Today's episode of the Ryan Russillo Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like sports, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. I don't know where I saw it, but I saw somebody saying, I wasn't a huge baseball guy, but now watching the Korean Baseball League, I'm really into it. That was unpredictable. I did not expect somebody who lived in the States, let's say somebody in their 30s or 40s, would just ignore baseball and then because of the quarantine there's nothing i was like you know what this whole nine innings thing this is fun <laughs> like wait a minute a double play what is it? oh you get both guys out that's incredible oh when he hits it over that then it's that's a run even more if other people are on base safely this is incredible stuff how hard does he throw it 95 that's like way beyond the speed limit so I didn't expect to see an American sports fan who somehow came across my feed say Korean baseball has turned them into a baseball fan. But you know what? Shout out to the Korean baseball. Is it the KBO, Kyle? Can we get research on that? I think it might be. Oh, I thought there was an L in there. Jeez. Do we know? All right. I'm going to do it. on. The, well, you know what we do? We're going to do this for State Farm. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today. It is KBO. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I'm trying to stay on top of these things, you know, I'm trying to stay locked into the news. A couple things going on. Your boy is moving. I'm in the middle of move week. Not complaining. You know why? Because I just, I'm not going to. But I already know I'm staring down a washer dryer install tomorrow. That is not going to go well. But I'm going to try something different. I'm going to try something different because this first place I moved into out here when we had to do the dryer washer install, washer dryer is usually how most people say it. As soon as the guys saw the staircase, they're like, oh, yeah, you don't have the right hose. And then we, like, the first four guys did that to me. And then I had to call <laughs> again and go, hey, you know, I get it. Like, it is a staircase, though. And I, I don't think I have the worst one in the state of California. It's just up and then another little couple steps. It, it's fine. Like, people have moved other stuff up there. And that's kind of what happens is these guys are farmed out. They have a bunch on the list. And the quicker that list is over, installed or not, the quicker they get to move on because then somebody else will be assigned. So, Odd enough in this other place, and I could kind of tell right away with my GC son background, the son of a GC, is like, that washer dryer hookup does not look right. And it isn't. <laughs> and so there's some issues. There's also code stuff you got to worry about. Like, you're going to get a real code stickler. You're going to get somebody who's like, ah, you know, it's a vent pipe. Just make sure you run something through there every, every six months to a year. Um, you know, I think you should have your walls, exterior walls on uh on a 16 inch center you know I, th I think that there are code things that there's a reason there's code you know balcony codes let's get those up to date everywhere is what i say you can make that a shirt if you want but i know that you know kyle just heard the phone call come in it's like hey just confirming your six hour window tomorrow on the install again not complaining because you know it's a little different than back in the day early rye guy days where uh, the move you know who the mover was this guy Okay, and and the flatbed trick uh, pickup truck, the rusted out Toyota bed pickup truck. Never quite understood what Toyota did, what they were making those beds out of. I think they were making them out of tinfoil in the mid to late eighties, because everybody who's ever had a Toyota pickup from that time, you'd be like, "Yep, yours is rusted out now too." Um, not the case now, though. Toyota's upgraded the material, I believe, because you just don't notice it all the time. So that's my Toyota rant, but I I just know what's going to happen, and I think I'm going to try something else with these guys. I'm going to go, hey. A lot of people say this can't be done. I am not one of those people. 
I think I think we can get this done. Are you guys up for this challenge? So, you know, if it's a code thing, there's nothing I can really do about that. The last thing I need is TMZ Sports saying Rosillo installed a dryer with too many bends in the vent. I don't need that kind of PR hit right now. Uh, but we're going to see. We're going to see. Because so far, a lot of the appointments haven't gone well. Like, I think one of the moving guys from a furniture delivery place, I think he quit while they were doing mine. <laughs> Because the other guy was freaking out. He's in a panic. I'm not going to name the supplier. I'm a fan of their stuff. But I've I've had some bad, bad deals with them. And the guy kind of looked and he's like, hey, this dresser's really heavy. I'm like, yeah, furniture's heavy, man. <laughs> it's, the job sucks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> I ordered furniture. And then he was at the end. He's like, I've had it with this, man. He goes, this is it. That's it. I'm done. I was like, how long have you been on the job? He's like, three days. I go, so you're not, you're not super invested in this right now. I got it. So that's where we're at. A couple things that I want to do rapid fire. Those of you that listened, I appreciate it. Going back to last fall, Dak Prescott, we told you on the podcast, I'd said, Hey, I'd heard he turned down 35 million a year, four years, about 140, about a hundred million in guarantees. I couldn't know for certain with the guarantee language is a little bit different. It finally came out like it's official, official. And I don't, this isn't me doing, Oh, I had this. It's me saying now that it's out, out, and then we learn that Dak maybe is asking for $45 million. Can we stop with some of these cowboy storylines that have been out there? Because they were all wrong. You realize that they were all wrong the whole time. Because, first of all, Dak can ask for whatever he wants. More power to him. I've said the entire time when I did that massive NBA-NFL cap breakdown thing, which, again, there's so much uncertainty about what caps are even going to be because we don't know what the revenue is. But here's what my one guess would be. TV deals, even post-quarantine, factoring in whatever sort of loss that leagues could have. We still don't even know what the hell football is going to be, which version of it we could have here. Um, TV rights are still going to go up. So that means the cap is going to go up. And that means quarterbacks are going to make even more money annually. So if Dak is trying to factor in all these things where there's a report that he's asking $45 million a year, if, you know, if it's true or not. But I knew that he had turned this down last fall, and now everybody's finally picked up on it. So whether it were things like, Oh, they'd sign Alden Smith, but they can't sign Dak. It's like, look, this is the only organization left that would have given Ezekiel Elliott that contract. Zeke knew it. His agent knew it. And, you know, because everything seems to have to be about race or you know, a forced issue of could it be about race? It's like, wait a minute. So the Cowboys gave Zeke that, then they became a racist organization that don't want to pay the black quarterback? Like, no, Dak's asking for a ton. They've offered him a good contract. He probably would get more than the $35 million, so he can turn that down. But this isn't really about the Cowboys screwing over their franchise quarterback. It's about their franchise quarterback wanting to set a new precedent for new deals with new money coming in, and that's fine, and I'm all for it. What I've never been all for is people thinking that they have some vendetta against Dak or doing these for a bunch of different reasons that just aren't true. Rapid fire takes here. Post Jordan Doc, Horace Grant is livid. I think there's some accuracy in, in some of these anti-Jordan things after the fact. It's like, okay, he picked on certain guys, but it does make it out to be that he treated everybody poorly and had all this power over these guys and nobody ever questioned him on that. There was a really interesting Robert Parrish anecdote that had come from a story I think Jag McMullen had and a lot of this stuff is flying around where Jordan said something like, I'm going to kick your ass. And Parrish took a step towards him and said, no, you're not. And he'd said after that, Jordan never mess with him again. I mean, there are certain players, as much as I love Kevin Garnett, Garnett doesn't go at everybody. 
I mean, he's tough. He's a competitor. But there's certain dudes Garnett will go at, and there's other dudes he just won't mess with. And that's okay to think. Like, I didn't watch the Jordan doc as much as I liked it. Ended up loving his personality. It didn't mean that I was all in and believe every single thing. But Rachel Nichols had tweeted that Scottie Pippen was really upset with the aftermath of this. I don't know what Scotty could be that upset about. And this is why in the moment when I was younger as a basketball fan, I wasn't always the big Scotty Pippen guy. I probably appreciate him more a little bit, but some of the stuff was either like, wait a minute, you guys really think he's this good? Like if 10 years, Scotty Pippen were the number one on a team, do you think that team would be competing for championships? Because I don't. I don't think he is that. I think he's really good. I don't think he's at that level. And when you run back the litany of things that Pippen was criticized for, He's the one that signed the bad contract. And yes, I know his family was really poor. I mean, they were so poor that they had a Pippen jersey framed at home and it was like the cheap one and still had a tag on it in the frame. You can see that in the very beginning of the documentary. So if he resented signing a bad deal, and it can happen, but you're still the one that signs it. So you have to get over it quicker than just having a bad deal be the only option that you can have. You know, in basketball, it's a little tougher because that's the only job that you're going to have where most of us can say no to something and then maybe move on. But I remember early stuff with ESPN. I didn't really have a choice because I felt like, all right, I want to be at ESPN forever. So I'm going to have to have something not be great initially, and then I'll be better off later on. And that's kind of what happened. So with Pippen being mad about the contract, again, you did it. You're the one that said you weren't going back into the game against the Knicks in 94. And he even says in the documentary, if I could have done it again, I wouldn't have done it any differently. So, you know, that's not a good thing. I know in the Rodman thing, and everybody is all over Bill and I for our Rodman is boring stuff, I would express again, please go check out his MTV show that was canceled, and you tell me how fun of a watch that is. But Rodman, who leaves to go wrestle during the NBA Finals, I don't know that in 2020, guys would be like, God, what a cut up. That's so funny how little he cares about the rest of his teammates. <laughs> this guy's hysterical. Like, it's funny now because they won. It was over 20 years ago. And there is something so odd about Rodman that's now embraced because it isn't day-to-day. But it wasn't like that back then. The day-to-day, of it, people were sick of it. The team was sick of it. He was coming off the bench. They knew they weren't going to bring him back. And that's why it flamed out with the Lakers thing at the point. So with Pippen... I don't think it's ever cool to do stuff that hurts the rest of the team. I just don't. Now, we could talk about free agency, some of these bigger picture things, but in the moment, like, hey, what's the best way to have us be ready to compete? Well, being there for your teammates. And Pippen didn't do that and said he wouldn't change his mind. And then ultimately the surgery when he says, I don't want to fuck up my summer. That's what Pippen said. So if he doesn't like some of the stuff that people have said about him after that, I mean, I don't know, man, all those things happen and you weren't super remorseful. And I'll tell you, I liked Pippen more and respect him more. Because of that game six and 98 and watching this documentary again, I like him more now than I did before the doc. But in the moment, that's how I felt about him. And I think all those justifications were accurate then and they're accurate now. I have some other stuff that I'm working on workshopping here. And we're trying to put together another lineup for more recruiting stories, part three. But I am really excited to talk to Max Homa, pro golfer, great on Twitter, at Max Homa 23. And we're going to spend an hour with him, do five questions, and also some of your life advice stuff, but with a pro golfer. I'm excited to do something a little different here from the PGA Tour. I want to hear his whole story, and we're going to have some fun with him at the end as well. It's Max Homa, who is uh, in Scottsdale right now. He's an L.A. guy, though. Are you considered an L.A. guy, being where you're from? 
Yeah, L.A. County. Uh, Valencia is L.A. County, uh, and I was born in Burbank, which is just like the heart of L.A. So I'm taking I'm taking all the L.A. roots roots with me. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm still figuring out a little bit here. I was I was researching you here, so I I wanted to make sure I had it right. But yeah, uh, the the inland thing, like I tell everybody that doesn't understand L.A., and I'm not saying that I do, but I've been here long <laughs> enough. Is that anybody that dumps on it? I'm like, if you just found your neighborhood, you'd find a deal that you would like. There's always exactly. there's, there's a neighborhood, there's a vibe, there's something for literally every single person that would be like, oh, okay, well, if I'm an hour inland because I like space and I like all these things, but I'm still only an hour away from these unbelievable beaches, like you might like that. I personally am a water guy, so that's where I'm down in Manhattan Beach. So thanks, man. Uh, yeah. I appreciate this. Manhattan Beach is the best. So that that's where if you had if you had to pick anywhere, I think Manhattan Beach is the best spot. But yeah, there is every anything for everyone uh everyone who always told me like how do you live in california i said just come here for a week and you're gonna wonder why i would ever leave it's very difficult (laughs) i know and i still if i wasn't so busy during all this although road trips when you can't really go anywhere although hotels (laughs) are open like i've wanted to do the kind of two week get in the car and just do it and do a california vacation because that wouldn't even be enough um, I want to, I want to get weird with it. I want to head way yeah. inland and, and see some of these highways that we only see in movie shots. So <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's talk about your deal growing up. You are not, I, I have it on both ends. Okay. Like I have the growing up poor and then father doing well and us moving to Martha's vineyard and surrounded by summer <laughs> kids that could all golf. And I never really picked it up until later on when I was in my twenties. And now I don't care anymore because I suck again, but <laughs> You are not the typical shithead golfer, right? This is this that's is it. not that's me, like that's right? to a T, yeah. So yeah, what's, up, what's uh, what? Yeah, give us that. I grew, yeah. I guess that's it. literally it. I'm gonna put that in my bio. Um, not family was fine, like not super rich, not not you know not getting crushed. Um, but yeah, work parents work really hard. Uh, grew up at like a par 61 golf course called Vista Valencia. They had a par three course called Chica. Uh, I'm like great names that come through there. Jason Gore played there all growing up. Um, so it's like a big golf area, I guess. Um, so played there all the time, but it felt like not golfy, like not country club button up, you know, four buttons, not five, but definitely not three. Like you got to have four. Like it wasn't like that at all. Uh, then as I got into high school and got, you know, considerably, you know, more drive to play professional golf, get a scholarship, all that stuff. You know, my dad, uh, mom and I had basically like a deal that they were going to, you know, get a membership at, at the nice course down the street, just so I had better places to practice at. And in like the kindest way ever, but in like the realest way ever, it was like, hey, this is like an investment, <laughs> you know, like, please don't take this for granted, which I didn't, fortunately. Um, but I was very fortunate to grow up in that because I am, I'm so out on the stuffy golf. I get some of it. I get, I get that, you know, it's something nice that, you know, if you join a club or whatever it's nice like you work to have all the nicest things the nice golf balls all that but i've never understood like the hey half your shirt's untucked like you got to tuck that back in uh so i was glad i grew up in the environment i did and then also got kind of the best of both worlds because you know as much as i love public golf um you know average public golf where i grew up like it's just not a big enough facility to to practice i'm trying to play against you know tiger woods at some point um so it's it's difficult but uh yeah, fortunately had that. And then I did get the scholarship to go to Cal. Um, that takes a, a big, uh, you know, financial burden off of the membership thing. So uh, it all worked out. But yeah, like I said, I'm just like, my family's right in the middle. Like, we're fine, but golf's expensive, man. Like, traveling's expensive. So uh, yeah, fortunately, getting the scholarship in the college helps helps a lot. 
I think we're on the same page here too, because as I say, like your background, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with somebody who's, you know, born into something and and parents can provide sure. also. Like, I also think that's become a weird thing in the last few years. It's yeah. like, well, how dare you have a great support system and have your family that does well? And you're like, wait a minute. And I remember, <laughs> you know, the first time I actually really started golfing a lot was with some kids that were Fairfield County guys in Connecticut, you know, Greenwich was for all those spots and they grew up with it and I would golf and I wasn't like trying to be happy Gilmore, but there were just things I didn't <laughs> quite understand. And I would say, Oh wow, that's stupid. And they'd be like, no, it isn't. It's, it's just golf. It's, it's what yeah. it is. And that's kind of the whole deal. So yeah, some of the shirt stuff and all these rules and everything, but there's part of me that kind of appreciates some of the traditional stuff that golf is trying to hang on to that. I don't think should be like socially rejected because they, they have some, and I'm not talking about memberships and who's, you know, I'm not getting into that. But what I'm just saying is like, there's things that could be labeled as, oh, that's restrictive and stuff. And you're like, or sometimes it's just kind of cool that, hey, yeah. when you're here, this is what we do. And that's what's up. Yeah. Golf has a lot of things that are, I guess, are, are a little outdated. And I think things are moving forward. But yeah, I'm in, I'm in your camp. Like, I, if you if I'm at a very nice place and it's an ex exclusive golf club and you say you need to tuck your shirt in, I'm going to have my shirt tucked in. Now, if part of it comes out or I forget to take my hat off inside or something. It's, it's, I guess more the way you tell me to fix it. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, if right. it comes at me, I'm like, okay, like that's, that's where the stuff you, if it's like, Hey man, like we have a rule here. I'm like, Oh cool. Cause there's different rules everywhere. We have, I played a course here in Arizona called Whisprock and it's, it's, it's a, again, part of, I guess, um, you know, like the dynamic is it's supposed to be very fun, laid back, relaxed, like hats on inside untucked shirts. Like if you showed up with a tucked in shirt, someone will kind of make fun of you for it. So it's kind of the opposite. But if I go to another place and they say you need to have it tucked in, it's like, I just need to know those things. I don't need to be like talked to like I'm 10 years old again. And I think that's where it goes back to because growing up as a good, you know, young golfer, you step on a tee, you know, with what I would do it with my dad, I'd be eight years old. We get paired with another two guys and you could see them roll their eyes. And my dad used to love it because he said in two minutes, you're going to find out that this is not going to be like, you know, one of those other days with an eight-year-old. But it, the point is, is that, how about you give somebody a second to like show you who they are and then you can judge them. Like then if it's going to suck, you can say, Oh man, this, this caring sucks, but maybe it won't. So it's just like kind of like taking a beat maybe a little bit in golf and like seeing what people are actually about, not just like judging them on what they're wearing and how they swing it, all that stuff. So give me your funniest recruiting story for golf, because we just had Damian Woody on last or two weeks ago doing recruiting stories where he admitted to basically a sex party and over five <laughs> figures in cash. I imagine a Cal golf recruiting trip. Yeah, I imagine I imagine Cal's a little different for golf. Yeah, I mean, we're, I was close to did like, hey, we just had lunch. Can you pay us 15 bucks for that lunch? Because we don't want to pay. My funniest, it wasn't at Cal uh, as being the funniest. It's actually I. I went and did a recruiting trip and I went with my dad to uh, UC Santa Barbara, like most fun school ever. Anyone who's been there, it is a, it is a blast. Um, so I go, we're walking around with the head coach and he's, we meet in his office and he goes, all right, let me show you around campus. And the first place we go is like the gym. And I'm thinking maybe, you know, yeah, he sees me like I'm obviously just chiseled out of like, you know, whatever. I don't even know. I'm that unchiseled. Um, but he takes me to the gym. I'm like, cool. And we walk through the gym and I mean, treadmill, 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 and like, pretty girl, pretty girl, pretty girl, pretty girl, pretty girl. And like we walked through and then he goes, all right, get in your car. We'll take you to the course. And I get in the car with my dad. He gets in another car. My dad gets in the car and chicks head. He goes, 
that might be the smartest man alive. <laughs> He's like, that was a good selling point right there. And so that would, that would always crack me up. As far as the golf recruiting goes, I don't think we're, I mean, I wasn't throwing money at or like these crazy parties I hear about, like at Louisville or somewhere, but uh, that's where we get the funny stuff is just the little angles. I guess the coaches have to go to, to like attract you to go to their school. So you win the NCAA championship in 2013. And, I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask you about when the light bulb goes off where you're yeah. like, wait a minute, I might be fucking awesome at this and I'm going to be a pro. Like, I don't know if you're thinking that in high school, before high school, or you get to Cal, clearly with that kind of winter your belt, you got to feel good about yourself. But when did that kind of where it's like, hey, this really could actually be a thing? Yeah, um, it's it's always kind of a process, especially for me. I, I was always a slow learner, so I need to like see what the competition is to like then evaluate myself uh so when i got to college uh we had a pretty good team and i was like the four or five man uh you know five guys traveled but there were three guys considerably you know better than me in my freshman year um and like my brain has always been on the i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make it like i i had no worry about that for whatever reason but um the light bulb in the golf game hadn't clicked but i just remember my coach would say like hey if you keep paying you know practicing wherever you'll be the four or five guy and i'm like hey like i didn't come like i'm not gonna be the four or five guy. I'm gonna figure out how to be number one. I remember that was very motivating. And then the summer after my freshman year, all the big, you know, amateur golf tournaments that we go through, I had a really good summer and then got to the biggest one, the US amateur, and I made it to the quarterfinals. And like that's when I started to the light bulb went off that if I could keep my brain the way it was and like my motivation the way it was, the golf physical stuff started to like roll a little bit. I'm not sure if it was like a single moment, but I just started to like get it. And then from there on, like I didn't, I didn't win a bunch of tournaments, you know, sophomore, junior year, but I was in a lot of them. I was playing against a lot of people that I, I knew were going to make it or, or were the tops of college that I was like hanging with. And then I get to my senior year and my team had an unbelievable season. We had some, you know, we have three guys right now on the PJ tour. Um, but I felt like, you know, everybody had their, you know, thing. And I felt like my thing was really good. And like, they would have a thing that's really good. And we would just kind of progress. And then, yeah, winning nationals was like, light bulb was probably wrong because I kind of knew I was one of the better ones in college but it was like it meant that like under the gun if I play a big event like a big event like a PJ tour event or a major or something like at that time you know everything's relative but in my brain like the national championship at that time was the biggest thing I could be at so like right now the biggest thing I could be at is like the masters so I don't see how my how my adrenaline or anything could be that much different than that moment because it was the same type of thing so that that's when it kind of clicked like hey man like your game is is really good obviously like it's gotten a lot better but like maybe you are ready to do something really good and then I kind of didn't for a while but <laughs> at least I had that that little light bulb Yeah when you go through it and just for those that you know are learning about you um for the first time you end up turning pro what is it right after that in Yeah in 13 yeah. and you're basically kind of all over the place where yes. <laughs> you you like your first your first year you were in a tournament you know it was just you were in a tournament and then you're actually playing you've got your card and you lose your card twice correct yes yeah one one in a i would call it just your classic rookie year just you know learning and i didn't learn fast enough the second time i lost it was like you you might suck at this <laughs> so this this might be your last go uh, so yeah, the, the, the golf game got sideways. Yeah. The rookie year is hard. I mean, 
my first year on tour, I, or my first year pro, I got, got two top tens in tour events, which is, you know, you look at some of these young kids and that's nothing, but at the time it felt like a lot, at least like I knew, I knew my game could be there, but it just wasn't like week in and week out. Uh, and then, yeah, then I got my card back and the game started to fall apart. Just went through some swing change issues. Uh, then it goes to confidence issues. And then yeah, I had like the worst year I ever missed 15 out of 17 cuts on tour. I think my best finish was like 65th and I made $18,008. The eight is important because that's one full Chipotle meal. And at that time I was counting them by the Chipotle meal. Uh, so yeah, so fell off. But again, I don't know why, man. I, I might, I talk about this with my buddy Peter all the time. I think to be a, a athlete, a professional athlete, you need a bit of delusion, like the perfect amount of delusion. And I kind of think I might have that because for some reason through all of that, I knew that if I could just get a little bit of time to get my stuff right, like I could get back. And I don't know why my brain would possibly think that because I'm a pretty results oriented person and of the results were literally the exact opposite of, of optimistic. So uh, yeah, I was, I was, as you said, all over the place, um, it, it, you know, turning pro when you're, you know, 22, whatever at anything is difficult. You go to a new job, it's difficult. And in golf, it kind of kicks you because, you know, you jump in with a bunch of veterans right away. And it's like, if you're not the top 125, you're like, see you later, man. Like, good, good try. But, you know, go go maybe try something else. I have your bio up here for just the stats because I, I just don't think it it's <laughs> it's it's insane. If you look at some of this, just to kind of hammer home the point for people that are you know learning about you and, and I'm sure most of the audience are into golf. But so. You know, 13, you play an event, whatever. I met what you're an amateur, probably what, 13 and 14 still because you're not getting any earnings? No, so I turned I turn pro in 13, but you have to go to the, I had to go to the web.com tour. I played That's right. eight events on the PJ tour because I got a sponsored exemption to my first one and got ninth. So they started giving me spots to play, but like my full card was on the web tour. So I ended up getting it in 14. And then, yeah, first full year on PJ tour would have been 2015. So 15. So you make 12 cuts for 27 events. So you'd made, it says here, just over $380,000. And then 16, you don't have the card. Yeah, I go back to web, got my card. Yeah, right, because you were good PJ on web. 17. Yeah. 17 is the one where it's like it was two like cuts out nuke. of 17. <laughs> and you mentioned the $18,008. So because you had made the $380,000 two years prior, I don't know what your expenses are like. I mean, it's always kind of weird when we're talking about how much a guy makes, but you're an athlete. So I think you guys just have to accept that we're going to know yeah, what your no, bank account good. says. Are you freaking out on it? Because I know a little bit about the tour and working with Van Pelt over those years where like caddies would ask to stay with him during the event yeah. in Connecticut because it's like, look, you really have to manage your money. And if you're, gol if you're on the bag of a guy that's not playing well, then you're fucking broke. And yeah. I know you had made the 380, so I don't know, like, is there still enough over? Or are you budgeting out that entire 17 year where basically it's falling apart and you're thinking maybe at 26, 27 years old, you're not going to be a pro golfer? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the money part is like I, I build it up and joke about it a little more. I guess it wasn't super, it was taxing. Do not get me wrong. It was taxing. But I unfortunately, you know, I've been with Titleist since I turned pro. I've made a good amount of money from them, even when I was struggling, um, and yeah, I'd probably made, yeah, somewhere, yeah, somewhere around 380. So the finance part was, it's not, I wasn't flying first class. I tell you that uh, I would try to save money, but it wasn't ever like full on stress. Uh, the difference is, is it's also not like full on comfort. You know, it's, it's not like you 
because it, everything is about like the future, right? Financially, like if I have a hundred thousand dollars right now, that's awesome. But like, how long will that last if I don't make any more money? And and the PJ tour to travel for a year costs like roughly, you know, sixty to seventy five thousand dollars. You know, flights, food, hotel, like rental cars if you need them, like all those things. It's expensive. So you know, you're netting less. Now, fortunately, like I said, I was making money uh, from from sponsorships, but so it wasn't like a straight up budget. But I I've always been pretty decent with money. Um, and like it, it became at least a thought, you know, and it became embarrassing to see that's the other thing. Like you were just saying like professional athletes, everyone knows how much everybody makes. Uh, it's just like, it's on the Google machine. And, uh, like it used to be a joke that, uh, my now wife's grandpa used to say, Oh, uh, you know, it'd be Christmas. Oh, Max made this much money. Like, you know, wonder, you know, what are you getting for Christmas? You know, stuff like that. And it'd be funny. It's not as funny when it's like, man, like, they don't even make Max the joke right. to come to Christmas. <laughs> like, what should we be getting him? Should we give him money? Uh, so that's where it became very it, golf is a sport that like puts an actual number next to like, and, and, and that number is a value on who you are <laughs> to everyone. And that number wasn't high enough. So it really hurt. Like it didn't feel good. All right. So what's, what's the lowest point here? Because in reading about you and I was reading your, your Cal coach talk about you and that I know you guys can get in your own head. Like I think tennis players yeah. are even crazier than golfers in a sense, because they're totally out there. And anybody that's ever played like any kind of tennis, it really does. Like in your head, you're <laughs> yeah. going like, I am winning this point. I am winning this point. And then you lose the point. You're like, all right, now it's like death match. So there's a little bit of that in golf because of the isolation, but at least you have the caddy to kind of go off of. And you, like I said, your cow coach was like, look, Max beats himself up as much as any golfer. That's saying something because I imagine that's the profession. So, <laughs> so how bad was it at its worst? So what's actually funny about that is and he was right in college, especially my first couple of years on tour. I, I was like that. When I played this as bad as I did in 2017, it actually taught me to uh, have a great attitude. Now I'm not going to say I'm perfect, but my attitude got really good because I started to evaluate and think. And I was like, man, if you're going to play this bad, if your physical is going to be this taxing on you, and you're going to work this hard at it, even when you miss cuts, like, why are we going to expel like extra energy on emotion? Like, you can't keep getting mad at yourself. Like, you got to give yourself a break, or else it's just all going to crumble. So that part actually was like the best. Looking, looking like 2020 hindsight was the best part about that year. The lowest point I had, I remember the tournament, John Deere uh, in Iowa. It's a, it, you know, it's a golf course. It's not particularly difficult. I had missed like a trillion cuts leading up to it. I'd had, I'd had cuts where I'd miss it by a few. And then I had cuts where I'd miss it by one and just have a, you know, complete debacle to end it. The week before I was well inside the cut line and made double on the 17th hole on Friday to miss the cut by one. And it's just like, I was in shambles. Cause I finally, unfortunately my mindset was only on making the cut, which like is really bad news because then you always end up around the cut. So that sucked. But the very next week I'd always, I've been struggling with my driver to no end. And it just was like killing me. And that week I went out and I drove the ball. I, I think after the first two rounds, I was leading the whole field in, in, in driving and strokes gained off the tee, whatever the stat that measures who's hitting, you know, from the tee to the fairway, the best. And I was leading it. So the thing I'm the worst at I'm leading and I still missed the cut. And that was the first time I sat there. Cause for all these days and weeks, I was telling myself, if you can just start hitting it a little straighter, we're going to be fine. And that week I did, and I still missed the cut. And that's when I went back to the hotel, you know, obviously like we're talking about tennis, like I'm by myself at least at the hotel and I'm sitting there thinking, all right, man, like, 
if, if that's what we just said we need to get better at, we just proved that we could be the best at it and we still aren't making any money. We're still not making any cuts. But what I have realized as I got you know older and, and got out of this hole that I was in, the reason that happened was because all of my attention is on my one part of my game and golf and its beauty and it's also its frustration is there's like 15 different things you need to have sharp. So if you're only focusing on hitting your driver straight, which I did need to, my chipping sucked. You know, my wedges weren't very sharp. My speed on the greens wasn't good. Like all the little things in sport, you know, weren't great. It's just like every other sport. If you're, if you're playing basketball and all you're doing is focusing on your free throws, let's just say you suck at free throws and you finally get them good. Well, I, I bet you, you know, taken a lot less time to work on your fundamentals and dribbling and maybe post moves like little things like that so even though you're shooting free throws better the rest of your game actually stinks still but the good news is since that what had never been a huge issue it you know once i got the big stuff back like the little stuff you know came back a little quicker but you have to spend time doing it but that was the lowest i remember leaving that golf course like i'm not a big crier i had tears in my eyes i was embarrassed and i was just sitting there thinking like how, how are you going to do this, man, if, if we finally did something good and, and we still aren't even, like, adequate enough to play the weekend? And it did work out, though, because in 2019, <laughs> 25 events, 16 cuts, your first win, and over $2 million in earnings. So, um, and look, you were off to, a, you'd made the cut every event except for one this year. So, do you show up now going... Because some people do talk about you and like, like, this guy could be, I mean, it's weird. Like in basketball, you can say, okay, I know ex exactly yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is. With golfers, okay, the very the very few 1%, maybe you're like, okay, so steady. Like I remember watching at the the Riviera, I didn't go this year, I went two years ago and I was watch, watching, uh, I was behind Tony Finau, I was following him and I saw him hit a ball live for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, and I went, okay, I go, that guy's going to be like, I would hope he's going to be amazing at some yeah. point. Cause that's the nicest. It's like all of this athlete power and smoothness combination and female that I, I don't know that I've ever really seen. It's, it's fucking yeah. insane. I'm sorry. He to swear makes it again. look very easy. I played with him there this year. And yeah, you play with a guy like that and you're just like, man, like, <laughs> like I said, like, this looks really fun. Like you make this look really, you take it halfway back. And you hit it 350 yards, and it's really straight. Like that must be nice. Uh, yeah, there's few guys like that, but he's he's somebody that you would drop on a range, and, be, and you would point out like if you knew nothing about golf. You'd be like, I bet you that guy's really freaking good. So, are you good now? Are you like, hey, I'm going to do this for a long time, and I want to start. You know, when you start thinking about, I know a lot of it is just visualizing and positive thinking, and all those things, which is hard to do because it's a really challenging yeah. sport. But do you start to feel like, okay, now it's about winning and, and having some finishes and majors, which I know it's e really easy for me to say from the outside, sure. but I guess what's like the inside conversation about that when maybe you're talking to other guys on the tour that you're friends with? Yeah. So, um, that's a perfect question because I think a lot of people think that the moment you win floodgates open life's good. And like, you can just go to winning more, but like, obviously golf is hard. Each week is different. Each golf course is different. I, I guess the, the, I guess the long way to say it is, you know, when you come out of college, it, whether it's basketball, football, golf, whatever, any sport, even if it's just in, a, in, a, in, in you know, a, I guess a more normal job, someone's like, man, you're really good at this. It's like, man, that's awesome to hear. But like, how do you know? Like, oh, you could, I could just tell, you know, you get a lot of that. Like, oh, this guy's got a lot of potential. And like, I've been raised up by that just because of winning the national championship and having a decent, you know, senior year in college. 
So people always say like, oh, he has a lot of potential. And I always for so long was like, I don't even know what that means. And I don't see it like necessarily the way you do. And it was kind of funny because like after I won, I still didn't feel like I met my potential, but I felt like this, a lot of work had finally like paid off because I've been working my butt off. And then, you know, I, I didn't play bad after that, but I didn't play great. I had a lot of like just middle finishes, making a ton of cuts, but doing nothing with it. And I don't know what switched this year, but like I, I got to the West Coast and I put in a ton of work again in the off season, but I went to, got to the West Coast swing and I played unbelievable. Like I was just like in contention a lot of rounds, um, you know, culminating in the uh, Riviera, which is like my, you know, masters just because from right down where I'm from and, you know, have a chance to win for quite a, quite a long time. And all of a sudden, like all the things people had been saying to me, I guess that like, you have a lot of potential. You could, like, I could see, you know what you're saying. Like I could see that you could get to hear like other players, you know, them being like, what's going on. Like, I know you're, you know, you could do And it's like, I finally was like, yeah, like I can't, like it just hit. Like, I, I don't know if it was, maybe just a better result or I started to really believe in myself. But yeah, like I, I guess now when I look back on it, it'd be silly that I doubted myself for so long because I do think that I'm pretty darn good at this, but uh, I don't know. It took myself getting punched a lot. Um, but then again, like I, I also understand how hard it is and like, that's what motivates me to keep working hard. But I just think the potential thing is so difficult for people to get their head wrapped around and especially me. So when I finally started to believe in that, like, yeah, I do think that I could do this for a long time. I, I am very much excited uh, to get back out there because I feel like I finally started to find it all, like the mental to the physical. And like, I want to see how, you know, how far I can go in the, in this sport, how high I could get up the rankings and all that. So um, golf's a cool, cool game. You know, it gives you second, third chances. I, I've been given a million of them. Uh, so, you know, it's fun to finally start to feel like you're you again a little bit because that, that's another hard thing about individual sports. You don't really have anybody uh, – nobody can really like help <laughs> you're just like on an <laughs> island and it's like it's like you would see knights from i think who, who's the dude from the the raptors that's uh freakishly athletic uh siakam God. yeah siakam so siakam was my example siakam's amazing but it, i don't watch a ton of raptors games so one week i was like i'm gonna watch a ton of raptors games because i see him on the highlights all the time I'm like siakam is is a freak talent well i go watch him play like two three games on tv and i'm like yeah it was average and then like he gets a TNT game and he balls and everyone's like, this guy is amazing. And I'm like, yeah, but like this guy wasn't that great the last couple nights. That's the difference between him and a LeBron James it takes nothing away from him. It's just, my point is in golf, there's no one, there's no one that can protect me for two days, two, two off games. It's just me. My score is 74 because it's 74. I can't like get a boost from Justin Thomas and knock it down to 72. So I would look at other athletes that are tremendous. Pascal Siakam, a tremendous basketball player, but be like, all right, this is why golf's hard, and I'm going to take it a little bit off of me. Like, I'm not going to be so uh, obsessed with being perfect, like, every day and understand that, dang, this sport's really difficult. And it almost made it easier knowing that, that, like, you know, I'm going to take the negative of the fact that the sport it puts you on an island and take the positive and be like, yeah, well, you know, if you can understand that in your own head, then why you expect yourself never to have a mediocre day? To emphasize how delicate this is, too, the year you made eighteen grand in 2017. Um, 18,008. 18,008, sorry. The eight sorry. was important. Right. Uh, <laughs> your average score for a round was 72.9. Oh, I wasn't ready for that. 
And then the year you made two million, your average score was seventy point seven. So two point yeah. two strokes difference. The difference between losing your card <laughs> and having having a really nice life, which is one of my favorite things about. I mean, I probably shouldn't say my. I shouldn't preface it as one of my favorite things. I have this theory. It's I'll, I'll give it. It's real quick. It's longer. Parents are going to be offended. They're going to say you don't have kids. That's why you feel this way. But I think <laughs> yes. But I think I think a lot of people talk about parenting in a sense of like, um, I. I get that how proud you would be, right? Like seeing your kid graduate one day, that's, that's going to be an amazing emotional feeling. Like I, I can understand that. I can, I, can, I can feel it without knowing what it feels like. like I got really, but there's also a right. million people having kids. There's a ton of people having kids. Like right. there's millions doing this. A lot of people are doing it. <laughs> and so when I think people look at golf, they're very protective of how hard it is because so many people golf. Right. And there's always these moments where, the worst golfer can hit an amazing shot that looks like he knows what he's doing in that one shot. So when they see you guys do it, be like, "Oh, you know, I play that course. You know, I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I hit it." And it's like, "Yeah, okay, but you didn't have anybody watching. No one cares, yeah. and you probably still ended up with a six. So, like, great approach shot. Um, how basketball's like? Hey, you're six six. I, I mean, guys can talk shit on the court, but like, how <laughs> brutal is that part of it with you? Where you know you're a normal sized guy. You're better <laughs> yeah. than the rest of the world, except for, you know, you're in the top 100 or whatever it would be at this point. I don't know what your official ranking is. Go ahead and give that to us if you want. But you're good. <laughs> the, the people that think that they're this close and have no real understanding of what the gap actually is between cool, you beat your friends at the club. I'm actually on the tour. Yeah, it, it's difficult. Um, I was very lucky growing up that I got to play with some people who had played on or who were playing on the tour Jason Gore uh, being one of them so I got to see what it was I feel like I meet a lot of people who say they're really close who haven't played with you know Rory McIlroy or Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka. where if I could take you and just give you a day with them you'd be like wow I'm further than I thought and that's okay I, I had to see that for myself as well the point is is you need to know just how much of a jump you need to get because you're right people in golf love to say uh, you know, love to talk about how hard it is and how thin the line is. And I do believe the line is very thin, but I can also tell you that I could go to certain golf courses and, you know, certain maybe mini tour events and know the guy who has a better chance of making it than the other by watching for a day. The thing about golf that I think is the best is that 2.2 stroke difference between 2017 and 2019. That's 2.2 times four a week. So that's like, I don't know, 10 ish. So now you're talking about I'm beating myself by 10 a week, like 10 shots. So I was on the PJ tour. So then how thin do like the line gets a little thicker as this moves on. So that's what I try to tell people. I'm not discouraging them from playing. I'm telling them you need to, you need to see, or, or you need to work so hard that you, you know, you're that guy, but I want you to see what like golf is like real golf. Cause it's not one day. It's not, I can go play with you here and somebody will play good, maybe beat me or whatever. It's like, all right, you know, if they start, talking their trash that's fine but it's like let's go play three more days and also not at your home golf course like the, all these things go into professional golf that are so different than another sport basketball courts are the same you know the hoops the same height the course the same size like yeah you could throw people in but you could get you know you could get really good you everybody knows their rec league dude that's just sick at a corner three or something it's like do not leave that guy open but you know it gets in a game it's a little different but he if he's open he's still going to make that shot golf I, I'm, I'm going from grass in Arizona to grass in Florida. They could not be more different. Then I'm going to a place that's windy, a place that's not like, 
so many variables change. And that's, I think, the, the thin line that people talk about between professional golf and like the next step below, I think is a little thicker because it's, 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 you're not getting a big enough sample size from the, the people who are saying they're almost there because I think it's a lot bigger jump than people think not unattainable, but you need to get the experience to go see what you need to improve on. I have a couple things I want to do. We're going to do five questions and then we're going to do a couple life advice emails. All right. I never thought I should be given life advice. So this should be good. But plenty of question. My, my, <laughs> but I researched being a life coach just because I was, I, I didn't want to be one. I was fascinated by the process and I know I'm already more qualified than 50% of the people that have a certificate. <laughs> so I, I'm not apologizing about that. I'm going to fire mine. It was actually, this is kind of funny, but after the, the Jackson hole arrest and a producer came down and he goes, Hey, uh, question for you. I was like, and I knew I go, yep. Cause how do you feel about still doing life advice on the radio show every Wednesday? And I went, uh, I get it. It's a fair question. I still feel but, good about it though. Right. I go, you know, who better than me now? Really? <laughs> yeah, I can I give you all that. Right. I never was giving the advice cause I had it mapped out. I'm giving <laughs> the advice cause I've fucked up everything at some point. That's okay. Perfect. I want to uh, talk about your Twitter feed because that's, uh, I think a lot of people probably know you, but it's, it's a good little niche for you. I don't even know if you were doing it for branding or to get it out there. People nah. send you their swings, you burn them. Do you feel like you have to stay on brand and roast everybody? Because they're very rarely are positive. Although I don't like when guys like the younger bro types do the whatever dude, like come check, like, like you yeah. care. Like I wish guys would understand how little we actually care about like there's, it's a blip. It's a, Hey, yeah. here's my tweet. And then it's on. And then other, other dudes are out there framing them. So yeah. how did that all start? Because you actually are really, I can't believe you still have this many comebacks, uh, hundreds, thousands <laughs> of tweets out. maybe in. I know so far I'm impressed by your creativity. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, not sure how it started. You know, I've always been active on Twitter. I think it's a great, uh, just a great way to, first of all, get sports news for me. Uh, second, like connect with people that you normally wouldn't. The whole reason it was brought up was so people like, you know, me or, or, you know, young me or whatever could tweet at, you know, Tiger and maybe Tiger Woods will respond. Like that's the beauty of it. So that's the cool part. It connects people. So I've always tried to keep it light. So one day, uh, I think I landed in Long Beach. I was living here, landed in Long Beach and I get a tweet from this kid, Brian McLaughlin, I think his name was. And he said, uh, Hey, uh, roast my swing. Uh, like your um, Gordon Ramsay. And then he sent me a video of a swing and he, and he called it. He goes, I think this could be a good trend. I did not think so, but he asked for it. So I was like, you know, whatever, I'm not doing anything. So I respond, <laughs> I responded with the Gordon Ramsay um, gif that has him with the bread over the chick's ears. And he's like, what are you? And she said, an idiot sandwich, like the all time yeah. best gif. And so I responded because his or video gif. like had a horrible angle. So I go to bed, I wake up, I have practice early in the morning. So I don't really see my phone while I get to the airport that afternoon. And there's like hundreds of videos. So I start responding to a few more and then like more roll in. And then I'm like kind of getting over it just because my phone is getting hot. And then like, I start getting like, I mean, I love sports and I'm not afraid to admit it. Like I, I geek out over these athletes at times and I start getting these athletes like from all over, like sending me their golf swing. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? So now I just keep doing it. Now, you know, I don't know how long ago that was, six months removed. But uh, I'm, I'm running out of stuff to say. Uh, I've seen enough bad golf swings for like 10 lifetimes. Uh, I also think that I've oversaturated uh, myself on the Twitter machine. I'm not trying to brand myself. I'm just doing it because I think people think it's funny. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's been a little niche. I got to say, though, uh, 
your Twitter is my favorite, especially when <laughs> my favorite tweet you ever put out was, I just watched, you said something like, I just watched a 90s basketball game. Nobody died. <laughs> 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 Me and my buddy Peter were dying because we're like, thank you. Like, this is this is this the content we need. Like, I appreciate that you see both sides of the aisle and at least you come out and be like, you know, hey, you know, modern basketball is okay. You don't need to hit somebody in the head with a chair for it to be like 90s defense. So I do appreciate your Twitter quite a bit. It's been it's been a fun follow. Yeah, I'm not I'm not real like uh Good. I, I regret not being more into it, though, because I would probably have way more followers if I was constantly doing it every game and like hoping to get the 10 percent return on the jokes and all that stuff. Because I know for a fact, like guys that bought followers got more contract or better. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess that makes sense in media. Yeah. Like, look, either you had your legit million or two million followers, but there's a couple of guys I know that straight up just bought them and ended up getting better contracts <laughs> because because like ESPN thought they were blowing yeah. up. And then you know, they look at me and be like, you know, you have your own show and you have like a half a million followers. Like, that's it. Yeah. And I go, well, well, no, because some guys, plenty of guys legitimately got him because there was like sure. a massive correction. And what I loved about the correction is that a couple guys were like, oh, well, that's my political leaning right. And, <laughs> yeah, and Twitter's liberal. And it's like, no, you bought him, dude. Like, I, know. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't named names yet. But it's definitely it's but almost like buying Twitter followers, though, is like a second baseman just loading up on steroids and getting, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that's that's the equivalent. So go ahead. <laughs> no, people say it to me, be like, oh, you're like doing this to I mean, this is very few and far between, but you're doing this just to get followers or you're doing it for your brand. It's like, yo, my brand is like to shoot 70, not 71. So like I don't get paid by the PJ Tour if I have like 1000 or 2000 followers makes a little more sense in the media world where like. Sure, you could, you know, if you're going to have a, I just saw the Joe Rogan thing, like Joe Rogan has X amount of subscribers. If that number was somehow fudged, it would look a lot better if the number was higher to someone's actually going to pay you money. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Rogan is a monster, but there's definitely yeah, dudes monster, where I go, I, no, I look at, I look at some guys though that will do stuff with their podcast. I'm like, that's definitely not true. Like, not <laughs> at all. Like, definitely not real. And, you know, I'm, I don't know. One of those things. That's why I'm trying to become a writer. So I don't care about any stuff. <laughs> I like uh, it. Okay. Are you in? Speaking of television projects, I have a TV show pitch. I'm going to loosely attach you to this. Um, there's a few other bigger names. It's going to be called Body Fat 40s and Drives. Okay. And what we're going to do is that when an athlete tells somebody, a reporter, that his body fat percentage is down to like 4%, we're actually going to have to make them come in and get <laughs> do body fat because almost all of them are lying. No one lies. There's nothing more lied about than 40 times. So when somebody <laughs> okay. runs like a four seven in Indy and then it's like, well, I had a four three, the other we're like, okay, we're gonna let you run 40s <laughs> as many times as you want all sure. week long on this TV show. And then ultimately drives because there is nothing I'd say to 40s. Maybe the second most lied about thing is how many people think they actually drive the ball like 280 and don't. 100%. I'm not even gonna say. Percent. It is unbelievable how many people, first of all, to measure out the drive, you actually have to like do the math from the T, which you didn't do. So you're just guessing the number. Second, like I could eyeball what like, sure, maybe you hit. So I do, I do a, a, a podcast with my buddy, Shane Bacon. Uh, get a grip podcast. I was going to promote it all. For so it, we are yeah. like first popular one that came out. Shane hit a 494 yard drive and this is legit 494. Now the thing is, the ball, it was straight downwind, straight downhill, like got every, I mean, he hits it far, but got every break you could get. 
he does not now go around telling people, yeah, I hit, I hit it 490. Like he, he, that, that's just a story he has where, where like my dad will hit one four iron in his life, 220 yards. And then every time he's 220 he hits four iron and tells people that he hits four iron 220. It's like, dude, like you just don't like, that's not your normal number. Like, yes, it can happen, but you can also play golf on a hill and you can hit it way down that hill. And yes, the ball will go far. Like that's like, that's where the biggest, the biggest lies in golf come from from the average guy like yeah i hit my driver 290 it's like you think like this girl at the bar is gonna want to date you now because like you hit your driver 290 like just save it man we know you don't <laughs> that would be another good podcast <laughs> stuff that girls definitely don't care about that guys <laughs> yeah, that say because that yeah i actually i'm aware that no one ever cares like i don't know <laughs> okay i haven't met too many people that are all that excited about my my podcast rankings <laughs> although they're strong you know for anybody out there hey, uh, keep trying man maybe someone will be <laughs> yeah know. i don't know that i would feel like his podcast does really well it's right <laughs> it's right behind simmons and the guys from barstool uh, all right let's uh let's throw it to five questions all right it's time for five questions <laughs> When you won Wells Fargo, how many checking and savings accounts did they make you sign up for to get the check? <laughs> uh, zero. Direct deposit. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> What's the most hungover you've ever been before an actual round you had to play on the tour? Oh, boy. It has to have happened once. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's happened uh, multiple. Uh, not too bad. One, I don't even think I've told my caddy this one, but one was the day after 4th of July last year in Minnesota. It was the roughest morning ever. <laughs> what was your tea time? <laughs> like nine. <laughs> it was too early. I got up at seven. I was like, oh boy. I don't think I ever told Joe that. I was too embarrassed. <laughs> no kidding. How'd you shoot? Not well. And I was two under through four. And one of my buddies that I had gone out with the night before I was staying in the house with them came on four and I just made my second birdie. And he looked at me like, how are you doing this? And I remember just being like, I have no idea. And then like, it all caught up to me. I pride myself on not drinking almost ever during the week of a tournament. I try to really limit it. And so when I do, um, I'm, I'm ashamed of it. That one unfortunately came after the win. So it was a little bit more uh, understandable, but Man, that was a bad day. <laughs> I can't imagine having a walk. And then yeah, I remember <laughs> no. one time it was a bachelor party. We were still in our 20s. So it was like a course that we'd all played where we went to school in Vermont. And we were deep. We deep crew loaded <laughs> up. And, you know, when it was it was a bachelor party weekend. And that's like 20s bachelor parties where back then you just thought like, well, this is exactly where we're supposed to go full throttle of for course. three straight days. Like what the hell were you guys planning on doing? <laughs> and we were getting ready to try to line up to get to the first tee. And it was four older women, like old, you know, sixties <laughs> or whatever. And, you know, they just looked at us and go, Oh, look at all you guys, you, you young men in carts. And then one of us was like, yeah, you, did you have a thousand beers last night, Maud? You know? So Maud. <laughs> <laughs> See, by the way, that's another big like guy strip thing. Is everyone's like, we're going to uh, Scottsdale, we're playing golf Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're going out Thursday, Friday, and then like you go out, you play golf Thursday, you drink all day, you then go out Thursday night, and then you have like the eight a.m. tea time, so you could like add in partying after. And every time you wake up and you're like, why did we set up the second day of golf? Like, there's no way anyone wants to be out here hungover playing golf, and then somehow we have to go out again. So that's a that maybe that's my life advice. Don't set up the second day of golf. Just one day. I uh, could not agree with you more. I mean, the battles we used to have because we had two factions of our crew where we do these <laughs> golf trips and the guys that really, really care. And I, it's great. Like, you're really, really into it. 
book a smaller group the second day <laughs> yes, and yes, stop with these 7 a.m. Exactly tea times like I, <laughs> like one you know because the problem is, yeah, is that you're just, is okay. you're just chasing the sleep that you want to catch up on the <laughs> entire time and you know when i would say pre 27 28 you're wired enough but as you know science just kicks in 27 years old and then gets you. that's that's when it all catches up okay all right so that was a good answer um do you have a good tiger story i feel like it's mandatory to ask every golfer a tiger story that you i mean that you can share have you ever been paired up with them i've missed him by like one group three times so far um so my tiger story everyone's got probably a way cooler one than i do but basically so he wins the masters i don't think he played again in a tournament i was in um uh, until the memorial now between those two i won my golf tournament so um it's mine now so i won the uh wells Fargo. so I'm on the range at Memorial. He's playing the group either in front of me or behind me. So I know he's going to be on the range. Obviously, a lot of people, whatever. Well, I'd always had in my head that I was going, like, I just said, if in this dream fantasy world, Tiger ever says, congrats on your win, you have to remember to say, congrats on winning the, the Masters. Like, you have to. Like, don't forget that. So I have this, like, somewhere back here. So I'm hitting balls on the range, and I'm facing, you know, one side, but there's no, nobody can hit, uh, you know, to where I'm facing. The whole range is behind me and I'm hitting, hitting, hitting. And then Joe, my caddy goes, yo, uh, turn around. And I'm like, what? And I turn around and Tiger is like 10 feet, nine feet, eight feet, getting close to me. And I'm start sweating. And he puts out his hand. He goes, hey, man, just want to say congrats on, on winning the Wells Fargo. I had met Tiger one time prior. He did not remember it. And uh, <laughs> rightfully so. Yeah, and right. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I didn't blame him. So I, I hate when I, people are like, oh, I met you. And you go, yeah, like, when? don't say that. When? <laughs> don't ever say that. Because I don't, I don't like live. I, I, but then if I, I now I'm going to sound like a jerk, so I'm going to stop talking. So anyway, keep going with your story because this is way more entertaining like important than any of mine. Just if it's right. not memorable, then it just that's not that's not my fault. Don't make me feel awkward. Um, so yeah, so Tiger shakes my hand, says it like it's all blur. I'm like my brain's going a million miles an hour. Like little kid Max has literally never been happier in his life. Um, when I asked him if he wants to be best friends, didn't get that part out. So I shake his Good. hand and like, as he's walking around, <laughs> as he's walking away, the back of my brain part says the masters. And I go, congrats on the masters. And like the most jolly, awkward. And like, I have this whole thing on video. You can't hear the sound. Thank God. But somehow the PJ tour live got it on video and you can see him kind of turn around at the end and say like, thanks. And I was just like, man, like it didn't go that bad, but it didn't go like that well where I could like hang my hat on it. But and you'd prep for this too. And I, I yeah. had it all. So dialed. there's a video. There's a video of you turning late and being like, he, hey. he turns late because you could tell I yelled at him. <laughs> he was like walking away. <laughs> but whatever, man, I have it. Nobody else does. I'm going to keep it. It makes me feel good because in, in the in the video, you can't hear sound. So it sounds like he said, I love you, too, or something like cool, like that. He actually like, you know, we're friends now or something. Yeah, that's too uh, that's a stanford cal deal right there too so that's that's oh, pretty good that's you even actual, made it i gotta add the story sorry this won't be fast this is my funniest tiger me story never he doesn't know this happened watching a cal stanford basketball game one day like four years ago they're going through the rivalry in sports so they're putting up pictures of sports so it's john elway aaron Rodgers, um jason kidd whoever's good at basketball stanford, at stanford. Steve. yeah stanford steve <laughs> and it goes tiger woods max homa and i am dying laughing <laughs> 
I'm like, but at the time, I I, I barely, I don't even know if I was on the PJ tour anymore. And it was like, I was like, you oh, lost cool. your like, card, and they put yeah, you up. Like, <laughs> combined, we have 14 majors, all Tiger. Combined, we had like 79 wins, all Tigers wins. Like, I was like, who the hell made this? Like, leave golf off of it. It's obviously not a rivalry. That's good. Okay, two more. <laughs> Who's? I don't know if you're going to answer for me here, but. I really want you to. Who's the worst where you're like, oh, shit, I'm paired up with this guy? We got this question a lot. It's literally anybody slow. And I'm not going to name names, but everybody knows who's slow. Like, you just don't want I, I don't care if someone's not a nice guy. I don't I don't care if somebody likes to talk a lot. Like, I don't Sergio. care about all that stuff. But right. I like Sergio. All these people are like, they're fine. Like, but if you're slow, that's now in, like, that means I need to pack more snacks. That means my caddy's going to be in a pissy mood by like the 15th hole instead of when we're done, which is like safe space. So that's when you just like hang your head and you're like, oh God, you know, this is not going to be very fun. Okay. Last one. I have a buddy that's a huge fan of yours. I was like, wait, you're like a huge Max Homa fan? He's like, yeah, <laughs> what's yeah. wrong with this right. guy? No, but I went to YouTube and I started in my just meticulous prep for this. There's a YouTube. <laughs> you're a pro. There's a YouTube page where it's like all of Max Homa's highlights and it's in parentheses. It's like, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 It's kind of funny because I'm like, is that attempt at a diss? But it's great because it's like 20 minutes and everything's really smooth, man. I'm uh, I'm not a guy that would you want to listen to break down any golf. But he's like, no, man, he goes, he's so smooth. It's everything like all <laughs> of like his, this guy. No, but like every part of your game, every part of it looks smooth. And that's Thanks. why he, he likes your swing. A lot of guys like golfers because of their swings. Yeah, so, it's a big golfer guy thing. It's like, hey, I like that guy's swing. And you're like, cool. Yeah, that'd be weird because I would never go like, <laughs> hey, that guy that doesn't score 10 points a game, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I love the way he shoots threes. I just I love, love the way Steve Kerr <laughs> shoots free throws. Just like, who would say that? But like, that's a golf thing. Yeah, that would be too much. And I like Steve Kerr, but that would be a lot. That'd be an excessive Steve <laughs> Kerr reason. But can we, are we to the point now where we can come play around with you? Of course. <laughs> That's what I said. I thought I was like, I think we're, I think we're going to be good here. Did you say the the Genesis is now your tournament? No, well, no, that's my masters. My tournament's the one I won. Quahala. I'm just taking oh, okay. it as mine now because they canceled it, whatever. But Riviera yeah. is my favorite golf course in the world, and it's where like I learned, like I, I watched golf growing up. That was I've been lucky enough to go to a few things, and the Masters as a non-major, major golf guy, it was. I don't mean major as far as tournament, but like I'm not the biggest golf guy. I'll watch yeah. all the big stuff. I, I've always liked the U.S. Open the most as far as watching. Yeah, because it, it's hard. It's, and it it's makes you so see hard. People buckle. Yeah, I think it's actually okay. Like I think it's kind of ridiculous when the tour starts bitching about stuff. You're I'm like, with yeah, you. okay, some of the cut, but like, isn't it okay to have one course be just it's one a year? Right, just right. Make it like, it's crazy to go like, all right, minus two might win this. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love that. I, I don't know, I do know, too. Whatever. Um, but being the PGA Tour, uh, somebody with the tour had hooked me up with passes with me and a bunch of my buddies, and to go if you're in the LA area. And my favorite thing about that course is that you're just driving through a neighborhood, and then all of a sudden, yeah. it's a major golf tournament, and you're like, "What is going on?" I'm using major the wrong time here again, but <laughs> it's just so weird. It's, it'd be like a bus stop, and then all of a sudden, the PGA Tour is here, and the the Riviera setup is unbelievable. Those guys were it awesome to us. So yeah, it's I a can't good wait. one to go to. I know. I just missed it too this year. I was back east, I think, for football or something. Um, it might not have been football. I don't remember. I, I'm going to stop talking right now. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, now that we've locked that in, let's do life advice. Okay. James has a good one here. 
I don't know if we're going to do any normal life advice ones. Perhaps uh, there's some stuff that I wanted to get to that we got here, but I, I think I took 20 minutes to answer one of them last week, and I don't want to do that, with Max. <laughs> so I want to I want to let Max get to uh, 110 degree weather out there in Scottsdale. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love Scottsdale, but I, I've even looked at, at, at houses there and I go, how do you do this where if you live there, you have to stay inside the whole day? <laughs> yeah. Listen, it, it's tough. Uh, I would say that the summers in Arizona have prepped everyone for the quarantine that everyone's going through because you're just used to this during the summer. You stay, stay inside. Don't leave your house. I, I don't know, man. I don't get it. A great question here from James, though. He wants us to pick a golfing with the office cast. Who's in your foursome and why? Who's the three from the office that'd be a complete nightmare for you to golf with other than Pam? Obviously, everybody knows my Pam stuff. Yeah, um, I got to start with Pam then. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> Wait, so what do you... I think we do it this way. Let's just put together the other three for each of us and we can process by elimination or have disagreements and that way we're not doing two different sets of foursomes. So, All right, done. I'm going to leave this with uh, the office golf episode was at Vista Valencia, the course I grew up at. Missed them by like 30 minutes. I only cried for like three days. So my, wow. uh, yeah, my, my, my dream, <laughs> blisties, my dream for some, uh, Kevin, um, I love him. He's the best. Uh, I gotta say, I don't want to add Michael cause I know it'd be awkward, but like, it feels wrong not to add Michael. And I kind of want to go with Meredith because she'll bring a lot of booze. And it, if Michael gets to be too much, I'll just drink all the booze with Meredith. Man, it's almost like you playing this out. I just that was off the top of your head. That's really good. <laughs> Michael's such a tough one because you know, two and a half, three hours in, Michael Scott with the car girl, <laughs> you know. But he never does. He, he put never ray on with the if the yeah. car girl rolls around and goes to date Mike. Yeah, I mean, there's two. There's two sets of women that have no interest in any of us, and it's strippers and car girls. And <laughs> it's not the same profession, but guys almost act the same way in completely <laughs> I different would agree sense. With that. Like, oh, here comes the it's car the girl. Biggest like, cringe right, ever. Right. You're like, you realize there's hundreds of us today on this course, <laughs> yeah. and she has to. Her job is to come over in the car and service beers. You get that, right? Yeah. So Scott with the cart girl is a little, but I think he would just be so he would suck at golf. There's no way that guy's good at golf. Um, I'd be all set with Jim doing eye rolls the whole time either. So I don't. That really, would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would like I to hear Michael do his basketball thing and said, "Yeah, usually make those and like on eighteen holes, like eighteen in a row." I'd like to hear that. Yeah, if you knew what you were getting into ahead of time, I think Michael is a pick <laughs> because it would be kind of funny. Creed's an out, total liability. Ah, <laughs> uh, Pam's no. I think Karen would be fun. I think Karen, even if she really? didn't want to play the whole time, I'm a big Karen guy. Very, very. I know. I heard the last podcast you were heavy uh, on the Karen. Well, I just think if you're going to sit in with the band and sing the police, those are a couple, uh, couple fair. points it's in your favor. Fair point. Um, are we missing anybody else? Dwight, I just wouldn't want to hear it. He probably doesn't even <laughs> golf. <laughs> he uh, builds his own golf club. Oscar's a hard no. Just Oscar's no a thanks. hard no. Right. He'd be. And Angela, I think, is from most people's home course, uh, home country club. I think she was she she's definitely a member at most people's country club. She is like maybe Angela. You know how people say like Karen nowadays? Like that's like the new thing. Like that's a Karen. Yeah. But at a yeah. golf course, if 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 it's kind of a stuffy member, I'm gonna start calling him an Angela. I'm gonna make this thing happen. Make it happen. All Might right. have helped if before the show was done, but we'll see. <laughs> it's, it's still uh, Kyle just chimed in with Daryl. 
Oh, Daryl's a good pick. Actually, Darryl's anyone probably from the, the most normal. I don't know. You yeah. think Roy is that great? No, not Roy. The the other like forty of them. What's the? I always forget. Dwight's like old, like little sidekick dude Mose? that works in the warehouse. No, 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 not Mo's. Oh, oh. uh, he works in the warehouse. He got the funny voice. Nate. He replies the toilet paper. Yes, he. I want. I want him there. <laughs> he Nate, seems crazy. Yeah. Nate seems crazy. I'm cool with him. Nate, Nate Daryl. Nate's efficiency is. Nate's efficiency in the show is off the charts. It's so, I don't know why I always think it's the funniest thing in the world, but he's like, have you ever noticed that minty gum is maybe getting too minty? And I just think like, who wrote that? Did he think of that? He did. He wrote it. He's just, it's so stupid. And his delivery is so perfect that I'm like, does everybody else think like nine seasons of the show? I still think that's one of the funniest lines in the entire show. It's and there's no one else that, that would agree. Okay. All right. All right. So we got that out of the way. I like Kyle's um, Daryl. I, I got, we got to remember him. That, that's a good pick. Okay. This is from Tim, a group of 40 somethings headed to Pebble Beach in August, assuming we're able to travel. Wanted, I'm actually, I was supposed to be Pebble a week ago. Uh, and I haven't, I haven't golfed in two years and I signed up for my trip with my buddies. I was like, all right, I'm just going to go. And they're like, okay, but are you going to be like, mad when you suck after three holes is that <laughs> is that the Rosillo that we're gonna get because you haven't golfed that much anymore and we're all decent and i was like look i'm just so excited to hang out with you guys that i i don't i'm not gonna worry about it and they're like you're gonna be, be mad yeah they're like you're gonna be <laughs> mad because you suck now and we're good and they're like maybe i was like is this is this you telling me to not put the deposit down because i could do that too <laughs> all right so tim says all right so that's right they want to see all right advice for eight slightly overweight out of shape 40 year olds who plan on walking spyglass pebble and spanish bay in consecutive days besides having Ooh. the ambulance on speed dial what advice <laughs> does max have for us Man, um, I guess goes back to my point. Don't be too hungover after that first day because it's a hike at, at all those places, especially I don't know what slightly uh, out of shape means, but I would assume they don't normally like to walk a lot. Um, don't be too hungover. Uh, if you could do the order and go Spyglass, Monterey, Pebble, that would probably be best or flip Pebble and Spyglass. Spyglass is the hardest walk uh monterey is pretty easy uh so that would be a piece of advice um but for the most part i'm going with the hung i'm sticking with hungover final answer don't be too hungover yep yep it's uh there's gonna be one guy in the group there'll be one guy always there's there's nothing you do i mean there's actually the most the most dangerous guy isn't single 40 year old guy the the most dangerous guy (laughs) is the guy who hasn't been out for a year yes that's the the guy's like ready to tear it up and everyone's like hey man i just came to play a little golf (laughs) Yeah, I you know, and I'm not telling you like I'm a Quaker here, but I just we've had some of these trips too where the guy is on absolute, you know, he wants to just shut off the brain on the flight over from the East Coast, yeah. and we'll have like a Denver trip, and the guy's like, "Hey, calling us from the airport," and first of all, you know, Denver's <laughs> airport is in Canada anyway, but you just go, "What's the story?" and he's like, "Look." Like, I need one of you guys to pick me up. We're like, well, you don't live here, so why can't you just get in a cab? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 cab. And we're like, oh, yeah. dude. Oh, God. And then he shows up, and we go, you know we all want to go out tonight, right? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> Then you get the guy Then you get the guy who hasn't been out forever, and ev- everyone finally meets up, and they like are about to leave for the golf course. And he's like, you got the one guy like, hey, remember how we were supposed to play golf today? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's not do that. Like, let's go to the bars now. And you're like, we just got here. Like, we just, just got here. That's that's the mega wild card guy. When we were all twenties, all of it's 
honestly acceptable, but um, <laughs> fair. Okay, last one here. Colin, young man, 28. Last weekend, first hole in one, 139 yard pitching wedge. Do I now have the blueprint for aces to start falling weekly, or will be this my only one or the only one for a while? Six handicap with a, a swing, you would say, A, it's not horrible on Twitter. So six <laughs> handicap. How All many right, hole in ones? Um, how many hole in ones do you have? I think seven. How many do you have? Zero. Ah, I do. For this advice, I will say he does not have the blueprint. Like that's just uh, obvious. It just went in. Uh, it just went in. But I will say that they kind of come in bunches. For people who don't end with just one, they come in little spurts. So when you can, when it's safe, if unless you're allowed right now, play a lot of golf because I I almost bet there might be another one that comes in the next couple months. Um, you might also have a, a dry spell for quite some time. Tiger said he didn't make one from like year 2000 to 2019. So don't take it, you know, too hard if you don't make another one. But uh, that's that's my advice. Like, no, you don't have the blueprint, but maybe put in put in a little time on on the on the course. Maybe you'll maybe you'll get to uh, quicker than you got one. That is Max Homa. He is at Max Homa. So that's H O. M A 23. Is that for Jordan? It is. Yeah. Last dance, okay. baby. Right. That's right. And you can check out their last dance breakdown. Uh, he has a podcast with Shane Bacon, get a grip podcast. And yes, that's right. It's a podcast that broke down Michael Jordan documentary, which I know is hard to find. <laughs> hard to find we right to now. Fit in. We even said it. We talked about that part. <laughs> hey, seriously, I appreciate this. You know, we, we've DM'd a few times over the years, but the fact that you were listening to the show and all that kind of stuff, and just to want to let you know, I got a crew of guys that are rooting for you every weekend. And uh, I guess, what do you know about when they're going to come back and play? If we can leave on that note. What are you doing? June eleventh, you know? uh, Colonial. Uh, June eleventh, uh, Charles Schwab. Uh, we're gonna try and do. Right now, we've planned like the rest of the season starting starting then. So no fans till for at least a little while. But uh, at least we'll be coming back. Um, you know, pretty soon, a couple few weeks. Uh, I want to say thank you for having me on, man. I love your show. I love everything you do. Um, huge, huge, huge supporter. So uh, it's been an honor to be able to uh, to make your acquaintance via uh, Zoom chat. Absolutely, man. And once this thing does get settled, we're going to come out and find you. Play a little uh, golf. And uh, yeah, do this. I, I'm not going to promise that I'll bring in anything other than a few good stories, but a couple of my buddies are going <laughs> to freak out about this. So thanks. Seriously, Max. <laughs> All right, man. Have a great season when this thing gets rolling. All right. Thank you very much. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I thought he was terrific. Maybe some of you have a new favorite golfer. And when everybody gets back to this, um, I, I wanted to do one last thing on the life advice thing, because after I had said that thing about driving past these rural towns, at least for me, it was Vermont. And sometimes I would get off the highway and just drive around those towns. I kind of loved those towns. I'd say that's probably the only thing I really, really miss about the East Coast. And that whole thing, right? You know, I'm in the car by myself and I, I'd look and I'd go, maybe maybe that's the ticket, man. Maybe that's the path to happiness. You just just say, you know, stop, stop putting the pressure on yourself and do those things. And I say, like, oh, consider the easy thing. I like the hard thing. And that's what I've always done. A lot of you emailed the uh, Life Advice account about that. As Kyle showed me what was going on. And I'm really happy that that hit hard. Uh, I guess hit home. But the way some of you guys responded to it, I'm not going to read all the emails. It meant a lot to me the way you reacted to it because it is a chapter in my book called The Next New Beginnings Are Not Behind You. That's a fake title. I'm fucking with you. But... Yeah, in the in the book that I've been working on here in some of the spare time, that's a moment in the book that I explain 
in greater detail. So the fact that some of you guys got it, I was like, yep, that's exactly why I would put this in there and expand on that a little bit because I've had that thought happen so many times until you finally just get older and go, hey, every time you do this, you know that's not exactly what you want. It's like not even close. So stop doing that thing where you start you start hoping for the thing you actually don't want because that's a huge waste of time. So again, thank you. It meant a lot to me that you guys like that this much. Tell everybody about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, and we will talk to you on Sunday. This guy, Bill Simmons, has a Sunday pod that's pretty popular. Check it out. Check it out.